You think we can? I think I like so. Can. To quote that um, nursery rhyme, I think it's a nursery rhyme. Might be a ch- children's story. Who knows? Holy shit! Play the right music, dumbass. Yeah, sure, I guess. God, who Whatever. do I think I am, Alan Troyer? Mm. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's another episode of the Beer Engine Podcast. Tony, I'm COVID-free. The no, the the redness has left my face. Oh, no, it's, oh, back. it's back. Oh, God, the COVID is back. No, it's gone. All right. Oh, shit, it's back again. No, make it go away. Oh, God. Okay. Visual joke only for me. I love it. Right, yeah. Did, 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 a, did a little gag for Tony. It was great. Um, do, do not have the uh, red face anymore. Although if it gets dark enough in the room, I might bring it back for a little bit. Um, Tony, COVID is over for our household for the uh, at least the near future. Apparently, this this uh, new fangled variant has a high rate of recurrence, but um, hopefully, we'll be in the in the clear for the next. You know, let's go at least two months would be nice. Yeah. Uh, enough time for me to get booster number two would be would be great. Um, but it's over now and I feel fine. Tony, how, how are things over, uh, over there? Are you guys staying uninfected? Is it spreading bad there too, or is it? It is, um, yes. Yeah, we're we're hitting our highest numbers because of course, during the early days of the pandemic, we were locked down. We've kind of given that up. People are sick of that. So you're just going to have to deal with it. And to a certain extent, like I'm not being reckless, but like, We'll, we'll talk about it. I've got an upcoming trip to Melbourne, so um, it um, like you can live your life indoors. But there, there's treatments now for the majority of people. It's yep. it's fine. Like just don't 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 to quote Philip DeFranco, don't be stupid, stupid. Pretty simple. No, yep. I I, uh, I I think that's about right. Uh, I never I got some of the treatment, Tony, but I did not take it. I didn't need it. Um, that's good to know. I, I just felt much better. So, um, I just, I just went ahead and did not throw that into the mix of my other, you know, medications that I have floating around in my <laughs> system at any given time. So we just threw that one, threw that one to the side, maybe use that if it, uh, if we, uh, Need it. if it comes back again. Yeah, that's right. Um, Tony, I, uh, you know, it's been nice to get, you know, I would say the worst symptom I had with COVID, um, I didn't enjoy being sick, but I think my least favorite was the boredom. Fair enough. Uh, the, it was probably the most miserable part was just sitting around and not having anyone to talk to or do anything, <laughs> which was quite lame. Uh, did not enjoy that. That's one reason. That's a major reason I would say I don't recommend the damn stuff. But Tony, now that I'm back and healthy, I'm doing what I always do, which actually is just sit around and look at the fucking news and shit. Uh, so I, I've had some Alex Jones material cross my line of sight, as it were, and I uh, thought it might be time for you to give us a comprehensive update of the current state of Alex Jones's sentencing trial, where I, I will provide the only piece of knowledge I've found, which was that his lawyer had apparently sent all of his texts for the last two years to the opposing lawyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> which I don't think is something you're supposed to do. No, no, we uh, it it was not just his entire text. He sent a copy of Alex Jones's phone, which mm. then. Um, they actually discovered that Alex Jones, even though he kept saying he didn't have an email address, turns out he was doing his own email. He does have oh, an shit. email address. It just, oh, who would have thought? Yeah. Like what, what person under the age of, what, 75 these days, even my old man who's 80, has had yeah. an email address for years. Yeah, my dad's had an email. My dad's not 80, but he's had an email address for 35 years, probably 30 yeah. years maybe. Let's just sort of. Backtrack a bit. I do want to. I do want to real quick before yeah. we move on to the other details of the trial. I do want to read this tweet that made me laugh for about ten minutes. I just kept rereading it, um, which is uh, so. It's a retweet of a guy who says, "You know, Sandy Hook parents' lawyer is revealing that Alex Jones's lawyer sent him the contents of Jones's phone by mistake." <laughs> and then the quote tweet from one of my favorite follows, Libby Watson, who writes a great blog on healthcare in the U.S says uh, Alex Jones's lawyer hovering between text final final dot doc and text final three dot doc before just sending both. It's <laughs> <laughs> really funny to me. Just thinking about my own crappy job where you have all these stupid versioning crap yeah. with your with your files and you're like final AD final final dot griff dot doc you know <laughs> shit like that it's just really funny and Anyways, that has certainly been a what, part of the trial because one side has a different numbering for their ex- exhibits to the other side oh my god uh, and then you've got right. Alex Jones with his own um, lettering system underneath every document that he doesn't know how to read oh or none of his corporate representatives know how to read now it should be noted that there were three corporate representatives um, two were lied there at the trial and one where they showed his deposition. But I just want to go back and and it goes back almost a full week when they were some of the first witnesses to come up Um, and they were uh, Daria Karpova, which is an InfoWars producer and employee um, and corporate representative, and she was awful. But I remember that. She has probably been the best witness for <laughs> InfoWars because then we got on to Owen Troyer. Owen Troyer is the reason we're actually having these, this particular court case because he mentioned the plaintiff by name on air after he was angry at Megan Kelly. Now, Owen Troyer is like an Alex Jones protege. And yeah. the reason I want to bring up it's Owen hurt. Troyer, he has a great Owen Troyer's name. brother. No. Sorry, go ahead. He has a great nickname, Owen Troyer, the blank destroyer. Can you fill in the blank, Owen uh, Troyer? Is it? I really hope it's. Is it pussy? No, it's Uh-oh. close. This actually rhymes though. This is a nickname he gave himself, Owen Troyer, the cuck destroyer. Oh, the cuck destroyer. Oh. That gives you I some thought, idea about the man. I I thought the Pussy Destroyer would have been a way fun. That's your nickname, Tony. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. Um, <laughs> and he's a he's a huge like neckbeard guy, overly trimmed like neckbeard thing going on there. Um, mm-hmm. A really unpleasant individual. Then we got got into the expert psychologist. <laughs> Nothing of note there that we can sort of make fun of. 
um, mm. or the parents who did an outstanding job at actually talking about the damages they suffered under Alex. And then the defence decided to put on one witness and one witness only, and that witness happened to have torn his vocal cords up and really no, no. struggled to actually get through any questions that were substantive to the issue. He could speak for hours, no vocal cord problems with softball questions from the defence team, but the second a hard question was posed to him, Alex Jones mm. himself really struggled to... Get that, get the answer out. Yep. You know. It went as far as the judge told him not to mention his cough or his vocal cords unless he was specifically asked a question about it. And she bought cough drops for him so he couldn't nice. use it as an excuse. Um, those things work too. You get yourself some of those menthol or those Ricola. You ever have some of those? Those yep. suckers, those will work temporarily and you can take as many of them as you want. <laughs> and you know what my go-to is? I think that this is a, this I know a bit, but butter menthols is my go-to. They're in Australia. You like the butter menthols. I yep. do quite recall that. Yeah, those I remember having. I actually remember trying those. Um Delicious. I think Brian had a, had a piece of them. Yep. Now, uh, um, all that to say, my favourite bit out of all these, especially for the shit shitball um, witnesses, is it's a civil trial. So the jury in Texas are allowed to ask questions and some of those questions are glorious that they ask Alex. They have to be vetted by the judge and the judge actually asks them, but they started off in the first few witnesses being very respectful. And now there's a lot that are thrown out because they are just shit-talking Alex. And It is very funny to shit-talk the guy. That's funny that this is happening in Texas um, and he feels like he can't get a fair shake. Where, where in Texas is this happening? Well, it is the, ling- the liberal enclave. So did you want to take a guess? It's Alex's oh, hometown. Austin. Yep, Alex's oh, hometown. Yeah. That's something Alex even lied about, why he left. Um, he, w- he was living in Houston, I believe, and then his father left and um, they started living in Austin. And Alex has been there since he um, discovered a, a drug ring in Houston that exposed police re- corruption. But that's okay. not, according to this trial, yeah. why he moved. Um, sure. Yeah, but... Um, the trials are taking place in two distinct areas because these are uh, civil trials, so they're not in federal court. They are taking two in Texas because that's where Infosys, in um, Free Speech Systems and Alex Jones are based and Connecticut uh, yes. where the Sandy Hook families are right. located. So that's right. he's got one more remaining in Texas and two in Connecticut after this one. So hopefully they get all his money. Um, he'll still broadcast, don't get me wrong. He will receive no jail time, even with the amount of shit talking. And he will get, he'll get more money from the freaks. The freaks will provide him with yeah. more money. This is a man that recently got $8 million in crypto donated to him by a random person. I mean, that's not worth $8 million anymore. So No, no. He, he said it was worth about $7.5 by the time he cashed it in. So oh, take, he cashed it in. Well, of course, choice, he yeah. cashed it in. <laughs> he this, probably needs it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a man that that spruiks gold. Of course, he he traded crypto in for gold. 
Oh, that's right. He loves gold, and yeah, he's a gold standard guy, right? He wants like yeah. the Ron Paul gold standard shit. Okay, so, he, he was so one what's of his the... current state here? So he, yep, yeah. He was no, just... I was going to say what's what's his current what's his current setup here? What's his current state here? He's so he's he looks awful. I mean, I saw yeah. him. He looks he looks terrible. I, I mean, I know he's still doing the show, but he looks. He looks much fatter than I remember him from, I guess, the, even a few years, a couple of years ago of, yep. of, uh, of InfoWars. I mean, he looks awful. Uh, he's very red. He, he looks um, like, I mean, he, he does appear to be abusing alcohol uh, in some extreme way. He just, he has that look of like that Will Arnett did in like the fourth season of Arrested Development yep. um, before he got cleaned up a little bit. Um <laughs> He looks, he looks quite bad, and uh, he's had all these awful witnesses. He's handing his text messages over. He's getting near getting put into contempt. He's, he's fucking, fucking around with the judge. Uh, what's, what's left for him in this? Is there, is there another week in this thing? Is no. there another day in this thing? No. Okay. Is, it, is this thing wrapping up? Soon? This thing is wrapping up. We are in the deliberation phase, the... The last thing I watched, and I haven't watched the closing arguments, they have taken place. I just haven't had a chance to watch them. The judge okay. gave her instructions, and there were mod- modified instructions because of what Alex tried to get into the um, proceedings. So that has gone on today. We had closing arguments. We'll now have deliberation. I, I, this is not a criminal case where we'll spend three right. months He's in deliberations. Jail, right. yeah. But it's going to be a couple of days, I think, of deliberating um, and then they'll reach a monetary amount and then we'll have a damages phase. Now, what people sort of don't understand is trials have an allotment of time and judges try and stick to that allotment of time. So even today she was saying, we have scheduled up until the end of today to have closing arguments. Will you be able to fit it in in that time frame? So at this point, and it is the damages phase, and this is the reason why Alex got default judgments, is he kept trying to prolong, prolong things and not have yeah. his day in court. There is a distinct timetable to get these things done, and I would yeah. say we will have a verdict back within the next week, and that verdict won't be finalised for some time because Alex Jones's finances are deliberately a fucking mess. He is one of these guys that completely tries to mess with his financial records um, so people can't understand what's going on. And so that'll take some time to dig through and and that'll be the end of this case. There's, there's really no real course of appeal. Um, because he's had the judgment that he's appealed up to the um, state Supreme Court and that was rejected. They wouldn't even hear that. Um, so unless there's a procedural I- issue, he's done with this case. He's got another three to go. So I just hope they get a good amount off him here and the next three cases proceed similarly. Tony, what is your view, um, not just based on this case, but I know this case is something you follow very closely, and I, 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 I presume, well, you were probably, you were old enough to have followed like OJ. Yep. That was a big, that was a big worldwide. What is your take 
Um, not, not that you can do this, but obviously the U.S. justice system has a lot of problems just in general in terms of like racism and all the other things that the U.S. Yep. has. But let's just leave that part out of it. The, the, pr- the process and the, um, uh, the, just the, the ritual, I suppose, of the U.S. justice system. What is your take on that? Is it strange to you? Is it relatively normal compared to what you guys do, minus the wigs and the robes? <laughs> what, is, what are we looking at? Um, like, what's an Australian's take on the U.S. court system? Okay, as a layperson and an expert in neither system, to me, there are many things that look very similar in how our judicial systems actually Proceed, and the idea that you are in a criminal case um, innocent until proven guilty—that's the same in Australia. We're not standard. Okay. We're not one of the other systems where you—I f- I forget what the other system Any is. Presumed, there's no presumed guilt. Yeah. There's, yep. there's at least at least by the rule of the law, there yep. often is, but there is not in these cases. In, in and, supposedly. And we have, like you in America, where we have a combination of judge-only trials or judge and jury, depending on the seriousness of the crime, and the choice of the individual defendant. So that that is very much the same. The big difference, which I think is bigger than most people give it credit for, our judges aren't strictly political. They tend to be appointed by committee, which okay. are, again, appointed by bipartisan committees within a parliament. Yeah. So there is no campaigning to become a justice in any court in Australia. Um, you don't tend to see the corruption at lower levels and certainly you don't see the com- campaigning that you see even on a, a state or city basis for becoming a judge. So that, that is a massive difference. Um, it is quite dependent on different states, though, too, agreed. how they do the judges. But supposedly judges that are appointed, and I know this is not true, and, it, and it's, a, it's a massive um, uh, bout of naivete in, in the U.S. to say that um, judges are neutral and they are not judges. are Like appointing judges is inherently unpolitical. But the problem with that is that everything is political. Yes. You know, it's, it's very I, I, difficult to not have politics involved in it because nothing is more political than uh, the justice system in the U.S. I yeah, mean, and and not to say Australia is perfect in that regard. I'm sure we right. everybody has a personal bias, but right. th- there's no sort of you you can't point and say this guy was appointed under SCOMO, so therefore he's going to find in favour of the Liberal government, or this and guy was appointed under ELBO, so he's going to have a Labor bias. That just doesn't And there happen. may be typical tip, – there, there may be better amount of um, balance in the system, frankly, to ensure that one judge's extreme political beliefs don't, um, don't fuck up your whole system because – you, you know, and rather than having to appeal up to another set of judges that have a bunch of insane, extreme political beliefs, you often may get some level of, of, of evening out or yeah. um, maybe a, an even-keeled judge or something where here you keep going up the chain and they become actually more nuts. 
Yes. There's no, and they don't, they don't, they, they're less nuts at the low levels. At the, at the top levels, you really start to see the wackos. I mean, yeah. And our court systems are, are fundamental to our laws, but they're not fundamental to our governmental systems. So the Supreme Court in the US is a third and equal part of your political system. We're in and, Australia. And actually, that isn't the case. And actually, uh, so so the balance of power is so out of whack that they pretty much can make any decision they like. Yes, at the moment, that uh, is absolutely sort of, correct. Sort of an appointed, uh, <laughs> an appointed set of elders that uh, decide all things. Um, not well, great. No, well, it's not even elders. It's like anointed. Sorry, anointed ones, because like yeah. Amy Coney, Coney Barrett is not an elder. And I don't mean that just based on her age. She's not yeah, somebody she's, you would seek account, counsel or advice from. She yeah. is a puppet for the Federalist Society. She, she, she's not someone I would ask like to pick me up a Pepsi at the Sonic. I mean, it's, it's no. wild. Um, well, maybe Sonic has Coke, though. Now I can't remember. Um, but you could uh, get a limeade at Sonic. I do love the cherry. The cherry limeade at Sonic is a classic. I really enjoy that. Uh, Tony, speaking of Australia, we had a little bit of Australia news. Maybe we need a maybe we need a drop for <laughs> Australian news. Gonna have to find that. <laughs> Crikey! But this one's yeah, that's right. Uh, this one is from the gang over at CNN, the cable news network. Thank you, Ted Turner. Very good. Um, a passenger traveling from Bali to Australia has found themselves paying a hefty price, <coughs> excuse me, for a McDonald's breakfast. The unnamed traveler, uh, so not Tony, we don't think, uh, was handed a fine of 2,664 Australian dollars. It's a lot. It's <laughs> uh, about 1,874 US after two undeclared egg and sausage Mc- McMuffins and a ham croissant were found in their luggage on arriving at the Darwin Airport in the country's northern territory last week. So, uh, you guys have some. Uh, so maybe that I don't know if that's just in the northern territory or across the nation. I know you guys have a, um, based on my viewing of The Simpsons, a relatively tight screw on the um, bringing in a bunch of foreign meat and crap uh, into your country. Uh, that seems to have tightened down a little further. What with a tough new biosecurity rule after ooh, uh, the classic foot and mouth disease outbreak in Indonesia spread to Bali, which is a popular destination for you there, Australians. Yep. Um, so Australia's Department uh, of Ag, Fisheries, and Forestry said a range of undeclared risk products, including the fast food items, were detected in the passenger's rucksack by a biosecurity de- detector dog named Zinta. Uh, so that's some expensive Maccas, says Murray Watt. Uh, and uh, it's twice the cost of the airfare to Bali. Damn, for you guys, maybe. It's expensive. More expensive yeah. for me. Um, that sucks. To uh, Now, well, no, now, here's, now here's one thing, two things I'm going to point out about okay. this. Number one, the picture of the egg muffin looks awful. I mean, yep. you can't be, you, the egg McMuffin is one of those things you need to be eating ASAP. in mere sec- seconds yep. after you receive it. If you aren't eating that thing immediately, you are in deep shit with that Correct. sandwich. 
Um, yep. So you made a big mistake right there. Um, and honestly, they might have saved you some serious tummy troubles. Is it worth 1800 bucks not to get a bad tummy ache from eating the old Egg McMuffin? Potentially. You know, I think you got to decide that too. Yeah. Um, we do have and have always had an extremely strict um, biosecurity presence in Australia because we are one of the most isolated places on earth. So um, other than the damage we have done as white European settlers, we work hard to now not upset the um, biosphere more than we already have with invasive species. Um, It's a really important thing in Australia. Don't fuck around with it. If you've got anything at all, if in doubt, declare it. Because if you declare shit on your entry form, most of the time stuff will be allowed in. If it's not allowed in, you know what happens to that stuff? It gets put Throw in the up. bin. Simples. Yeah. If they had have declared this egg, on their entry... Your muffin goes in the garbage. Who yep. cares? You know, it whatever. would have been yep. a, a $6 McMuffin and, and croissant experience. Right. That's rather right. than a... and and they give you chances this they said included other foods so it's probably the Mac as he's grabbing the headlines but this is probably a person and there are people across any border that try and do this that just try to smuggle in basic food just because they fucking can or they think they're above the law now, foot and mouth disease is particularly bad in Australia um, because what I believe Australia is quite uh, 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 fond of eating some of them cloven-hooved animals that they, that they like. So your, your, your cattle and your sheep being two that I could point out right away as I believe being quite uh, popular there. Yeah, and it's not just popular that we like to eat it. It is a... Huge part of our economy, the Australian, oh, yeah. Australian beef, Holy Australian smokes, beef, I mean. and Australian lamb are two of the our most valuable exports, along with Australian wheat. Okay, foot and mouth doesn't ex- sort of um, impact the wheat trade, but certainly those are our, our two major livestock trades, and we. Right. We've and sort that's of made it contagious as all get out too. You're gonna yeah. you you don't want to you don't want to get your. You know, you, you can really ruin a farmer's whole life, livelihood with a break outbreak of that stuff. So, yeah, because a lot of our what? a lot of our meat is um, uh, it doesn't um, have a lot of the um, medical procedures um, that you, that you guys have. Not there's there's no hormones, there's no antibiotics used right. in a lot of That's our right. meat because of the isolation of our um, cattle and sheep. Um, particularly yeah. for export. So that makes it extremely valuable if they can keep it antibiotic-free. Um, that's what it should taste. Dang good. It's yummy. Yep. Um, the uh, uh, So I got to agree with it. I will say I think it's a different disease, but I do remember a couple of years after I had aged out, uh, the drum corps I had marched in had an outbreak of hand, foot, and mouth disease in the <laughs> core. And I was like, damn, that is fucking nasty, dude. You, that is so... Yep, gross. And I, I think they just kept calling it like hand, dick, and ass disease or something. <laughs> pretty, pretty stupid. Anyways, I side, I side with the Aussies on this. Uh, the yep. uh, I, with the, uh, the the policymakers on this. Uh, I just think it's a. I mean, listen, 
I mean, I feel, I feel for the guy for the $2,000 muffin, but uh, at the same time, eh, whatever. Now, I know you guys probably have a version of this, but you can probably look it up on YouTube. If not, you can steal it somewhere on the internet. We have a show. It's simply called Border Security. Um, and oh, it, yeah, we have, that, we have that type of stuff, yeah. yeah. It, it's really fun in Australia because it is essentially only airports. We don't have much arriving via ship. Um, and that does a good job of highlighting that, that half a percent of, of travellers that are that are assholes and and a lot of the time it's just malicious, I'm more important than the system kind of shit. Yeah, that's true. Well, and then here, here my favourite would be I would, when I was travelling to South Carolina, they had a sign out by the TSA that said, um, here's some shit that we confiscated over the last month. <laughs> and it's just like enormous weapons, <laughs> like fucking cannon, like rocket launchers and shit, like, huge guns and not and like serrated rusty fucking blades and stuff uh i'm like what the fuck is happening it's amazing (laughs) i love i love people that try and smuggle shit in it's like how how dumb do you think people are like you might not get caught once but you're gonna get caught at some point you dumbass using using the like passenger area at some little airport to do it and being like, okay, well, I got caught by a 90-year-old man. That's <laughs> blows, dude. Uh, all right, Tony, why don't we move on to the uh, the old Discord there, huh? All right, guys, so here's some good stuff from our Discord. If you guys want to join our Discord, just drop us a note on Instagram or maybe send us an email. Uh, we're glad to add you to it, and you'll uh, you'll have a nice time with us chit-chatting about some fun stuff like this. This is from Nick Torque, our buddy in Australia. Uh, he's got a beetroot beer on his radar. This is from, uh, you know, let's open this link up, huh? Why don't we do that? Um, uh, now, I've had beers with not necessarily beet in them. I, I may have, but I've definitely had beers with carrot in it. I yep. know that. It's sort of... I know that those two things taste quite different, I understand, but they are, oh. you know, in nature. Um, I think a beet tastes different than a carrot. It's slightly more earthy, I will say that. It but is. at the end of the day, it's a vessel to provide sugar, really. Uh, oh, interesting. So you think, okay, so you're saying that a beet is just a sugar. I don't want the message link. I want the link discord <laughs> well while you're uh, trying to sort out discord uh, i'll just give you an example um belgium candy sugar is actually made with a type of beet it isn't beet root okay it is uh-huh. sugar beet so, roasted roasted beets are quite sweet i will yes. say that they are they are i think even compared to a carrot are are quite sweet and especially compared what's what's that one the white parsnip that has a yep. little more of a savory flavor or like a turnip but a beet tends to be the sweet i do love a pickled beet i will say this oh, a pickled beet is so enjoyable to me and there's such a classic on like an old school relish tray yep. so yummy but they right. have no so place in from, burgers let me make that clear a no, pickled yeah, do beet not root. Be that. no 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 we're out of that this is from tin shed brewery in is it dungog dungog yeah i believe it's dungog dog um, it might be 15,000 kilometers away, but a shout out for help from war torn Ukraine. 
has been heard in the small New South Wales country town of Dungog. Um, they are making a beer. It is an anti-imperial stout um, from a recipe that was released by Ukrainian brewers to raise money for the Red Cross for the Ukrainian appeal. Um, so they uh, this has beet root um, in it. It's an imperial stout with beet. Is that is that really what I'm seeing here? Yep. There's not a ton of specific details about the beer. No, I'm sure uh, you, I'm sure um, you could go on. A 10%, 10% imperial stout with beetroot. Um, they call it an anti-imperial stout to uh, not say that it's a Russian imperial stout. Okay, Correct. sure. All right. Um, and people seem to be drinking it. A lot of old people seem <laughs> to be drinking it according to the photos here. Um, but it looks like they've raised some, they've raised a few bucks for the Red Cross in Ukraine, that's admirable, obviously. So, uh, yeah. sure, I would try it. You know, I'm I'm not anti a beet beer. No, um, you know, I, I think I think I've had some. You know what? I have. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever had spontan beetroot, but there was a spontan beetroot from Mickler as part of their spontan series. I know I had the spontan carrot. That was a lovely beer, um, and a stunningly beautiful color on that one too. Um, so I, I think the beet and the imperial stout may have a nice um, mix, you know, especially if you like a slightly uh, less uh, overly sweet imperial stout. If you're not looking for pastry, you might you might enjoy that. Might be nice. Yep. And just a, a quick browse. Uh, Dungog is in between Sydney and Port Macquarie. If you know where those mm. two places are, I'm guessing you don't know where Port Macquarie is, but you've got a rough idea where Sydney is. Um, I do have a rough idea where that yes. is. That's right. It's a little bit north of Sydney. Um, it's a town of two and a half, uh, just over 2,000 people, two and a half thousand. Would, that would have been giving it some serious credit. Um, but yeah. Small uh, town for Yeah. Yep. But we are in the heart of the sort of retirement coast, if that makes sense. That's why I kept seeing all those old people. All right. Yep. Now we're talking. Uh, Tony is going to make you mad. This is from, this is from the classic uh, rag, Crikey. Um, Workers Paradise Lost, the biggest beer tax hike in 30 years, serves up the $15 pint. Uh, you guys are already taxed on beer more than almost any other country in the world. I would say Norway is right there with you. Yeah. Um, Iceland also. Uh, so it looks like the beer tax is set to increase by 4% or $2.50 a liter. Yes. Um, that's quite a bit, Tony. Uh, so, what are you? So, what are we looking at here? So, you're looking at um, if you drink a pint, uh, you're looking at going up from a dollar forty in tax. What's a schooner? So a schooner is that? one of the many Australian measures, whether it be a pony, a pot, a schooner, a midi. These are all different glass sizes within Australia, uh, and it varies from state. A schooner, a schooner is. Um, I think it's uh, four hundred mils. Okay, so that's schooner a decent size pot. Let's let's find that out. Uh, no, a schooner is an imperial half pint, two eighty five mil. Something okay, Kelly so would be familiar with. <laughs> Kelly would yeah. have been served a bunch of schooners in England when she wanted a pint. So this is pretty expensive. You're going from you're. I mean, it's already eight dollars. You're going up another thirty cents. 
So what's that? Probably about 10, 10 bucks, 11 bucks US uh, for, for that bad boy, for your little half pint. I mean, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Tony. We, we pay a lot in beer tax. See, the interesting thing is, is wine isn't taxed at the same rate as most other alcohols, which pisses me off um, yeah. because we've got to support the Australian wine trade. No, you got your don't. big wine trade there. Fuck the wine trade. Um, well, okay. It's not an, it's not a, it doesn't sound like it's a tax hike that will keep you away from the pub um, any more so than it is now. 30 cents. I don't know. Is 30 cents enough to be like, fuck this? But the issue is the tax system is a sliding system based on the percentage of alcohol. So it's not oh. like it's a blanket 30 cents on a 285 mil um, schooner. If that's an imperial stout, that's probably going to go up a buck because it's based on three okay. times the amount of alcohol will be taxed at three times the rate. That's just the All way right. it goes. Brutal. Okay. Well, see see if that see see how that impacts you here. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm sure uh, it will. But everything's going up. So will we notice it in the course of inflation? I don't know. Inflation is a thing and it's real, but you can't stop it. So why bother bitching about it? Is my view. That's what I. That's sort of been my view too. I'm sort of just like plugging along. I don't really, I'm too stupid to really understand uh, as much of this as I need to. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I've just, I, I'll put this um, link in our internal document, Griff, but here's a, um, I'll put it at the bottom of our document. It's the Wikipedia entry for Australian beer if anybody wants to check it mm. out. But it has a list of beer sizes um, with um, and what they're called in different states, and this is where it gets fucking confusing. So, <laughs> if you scroll down, oh, it's three quarters of the way down the page, just before the, uh, just um, okay. under the sizes um, and beer glasses, there's a table there, and that will t- tell you how confusing it is to order a beer in Australia from state to state. Now, in the table, I know the Melbourne ones um, down pat, but, <laughs> yeah, as as you can see, there's a table of, of seven different cities, I think, or eight different yep. cities. Um, a, four, a fourzy. Uh, okay. So a schooner in Adelaide is 285, but a schooner in Melbourne is 425. Yes, a schooner in most places is actually four twenty-five. Um, okay, I either order a pint or a schooner at most places. If I'm tasting a lot, then I'll go for a pot. Um, you don't tend to see—I've never seen a fourzy. I have seen pony glasses around, so they—they they do exist. We have pony type glasses, and we have a the seven ounce glass is relatively popular. Uh, no, I wouldn't say, but here they yeah. exist here. I know that. Um, this is funny. You, you, ordering a beer is a fucking experience. So it's just funny to think that you go from, you go from, I mean, I don't, these places aren't particularly close, right? So no, the- now, well, now that's interesting though, because so the biggest cities tend to be mostly the same minus Sydney has the Mitty and the Schmitty. Yes. 
that's no good. But Adelaide, okay, Adelaide has the butcher, but in other in the other ones, it's not too far off. No, Bris- when- Brisbane has mostly the same ones you guys have in Melbourne. Yep. Um, but then there's just other places. Darwin, Darwin has just like a whole other set of rules. In Perth, God knows. Well, Darwin and Perth are some of the most isolated cities anywhere in the world. Right. Perth is actually the most isolated capital city anywhere in the world for, a, for on a state level. They are that isolated. So this developed in an era where things got lost in translation. People are travelling right. over the desert and it took weeks to get there. Um, tele- it's like the longest game of telephone in yeah. history. Over the past 20 years, the schooner has become more popular. When I was becoming legal drinking age and started to go to pubs, there were three sizes. It was the glass, the pot, which was by far the most popular size, and the pint. But the schooner has come on of late, which which is good. Um, 15 ounces is absolutely fine for something you want to drink a lot of. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it gets super confusing when you go to go different away, places. Yeah. I just tend to point. I'll have it in that glass. And now yep. we're starting to move away from that name system and certainly in a more upmarket beer setting they'll just say do you want this glass or this glass and then it's charged on like a small medium large system kind of thing and not using standard measures um which makes it easier as a consumer it's it is wild though dude this yeah i mean if some of that here where there's like obviously there's regional dialects here People talk funny on the East Coast and so on, but um, mostly we're kind of standardized here. Um, but then again, whatever. How many different ways are there to order a bush light? Who knows? I don't know. Are there a lot of um, different ways? Mm, um, no. I think <laughs> just one. So uh, we got Max Allotment here. He was this beer was fascinating to me. There's a little story behind this I have, but Max Allotment is drinking a beer called Panzanella. Now, Tony, are you familiar with the Panzanella salad as Absolutely. a dish? Sort of a bread-heavy salad. Um, it's it's got some cubed bread in there, um, and this one has, is a tomato and cucumber session pale. Uh, built around the oniony notes of fresh summit hops. Opens with a scallion nose, but the sip is all toasted white bread with a nice mix of kolshi sweetness and refreshing cucumber. Not getting any tomato other than a little bit of acidity in the finish. That's probably good. Subtle and nuanced, but a super drinkable 4%. Leave it to carton to make a veggie salad crusher. That's funny. I would try that. That's interesting. I, I think carton's an interesting brewery. Um, I, 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 last time I had a panzanella salad, Tony, it was one of my very first times hanging out with Brian and Jameson and Kelly. And we went to Emeralds and one of the dishes they had was a panzanella salad. And, uh, I I believe Brian got just a salad with vegetables and I had salad with bread in it. And he's (laughs) like, I got dirt, I got dirt salad. You got (laughs) bread salad. Not fair. And, uh, so we had that. Uh, Nick was also at Moondog World in Preston. Uh, it's a this place is huge. Yep. Um, he got some of the Black Lung XL, a Tennessee whiskey barrel aged smoky stout, which I've um, had delicious. He's beer. had a pomegranate sour called John Palm Jovi, haha, <laughs> and a Sharon Stone fruit apricot sour. Jeez. Um, 
They're very punny at Moondog. Um, the Splice of Heaven Mango Ice Cream IPA Rescue All-Stars Juicy Pale and Bless the Haze DDH IPA. Looks like they got fish tacos there. This place is enormous, dude. Um, very, very large joint. Beers look nice. Food looks delicious. Um, very, very, very good. Nicely done, Nick. Now, I've uh, only P-Mac. gone to the original yeah. Moondog um, brewery, which is just okay. your standard, like, warehouse, like, put together Warehouse brewery. tap room type yeah. place, yeah. Yeah, where the tap room was just in the front and the brewery was in the back. I think they were a... 12 barrel brew house back then so they were quite small and i've still got one of their beers that they did for good beer week okay all right don't Um, think it'll be any good but it's got me on the label so that's why i've kept it oh i didn't reference uh we did get a post from our friend is lulu last week um who was at lakefront brewing a place i've been to she uh, has glutenish uh he she he she She. i don't know she i think um I don't want to. Over, I don't want to get hung up on this time. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> were the one that Lake- vacillated on it. Yeah, that's right. Um, at Lakefront in Milwaukee, a nice place, good beers, um, and uh, drinking the gluten-free beer. Which I swear to God, Tony, that beer was not originally made as a gluten-free beer. It was yep. made as just like sort of like an alternative grain experimental beer, and it's a nice pills it's got a nice pop to it um it has good like good a lot of those gluten-free beers don't have a lot to them this one i thought had a nice zip on it with the um with 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 some nice hop characters so i thought that one communicated well and also our friend w2s is drinking well i don't think he opened this one yet but he's he's threatening to open the 32 ounce crowler of 18 percent um Blended Thundertaker in dark mode, aged in a Willet cask. So that shit will take you out real good. Yep. Um, P Mac was drinking gluten free beer too. Um, he was having the almond milk porter with vanilla from Two Bays. He said it was decent. Yeah. Interesting. I've had some Two Bay stuff. I didn't realize their entire range was gluten free. So yeah, yeah their beers are okay. It's interesting. Yeah. That's, all right. Um, Nick Torque got himself a shipment of Mountain Culture. You know he's going to like Fuck that. Yeah. And then, uh, Tony, you're trying to drag your dragon folks out for a little beer dinner, it looks like, in a couple of weeks, huh? Yeah. I I, I didn't rope in PMAC. I didn't seriously think I could get um, PMAC away from his pawn in the ACT to, to come down <laughs> to Australia because it's the only place technically in a, in on this continent that porn is legal. Firecrackers used to be legal there. But, yeah, Deeds are having their 10th, sorry, yeah, the 10th birthday celebration. Uh, so All they're right. putting together 10 beers, 10 snacks um, for 100 bucks Australian. Nice. So as you know, with the tax, that's a pretty good fucking deal. So I've wrote that's a good uh, deal. our buddy Nick Talk into it. He and I will be going to that along with a couple of my friends. Um, it should be Really enjoyable. So look to a coming trip report. I'm, I'm sure I'll give you copious details on the first handful of beers that I have. And after that, good luck. All right. Good to know. All right. Um, and then we had Corey. He used uh, hey, the Hard Mountain Dew up here to Missouri. Um, Tony, it's out here in Nevada too. But I uh, So I was just at the Speedy Mart today picking up some, some of this here lager I've been drinking. And um, 
I couldn't do it though. It only is available in these big motherfucking cans. So I need to pick like a weekend day to open that up. Cause that's going to ruin my, my, my sleep. <laughs> if I drink a 30, 32 ounce can of hard Mountain Dew, but I am excited to get my hands on it. Um, let's, uh, let's scroll through, see what else we've got in floating the around here. What's up? Um, we were talking about yeah, Domino's do. pizza. Nick, Nick Torque has a new pizza variety coming to Domino's. This one looks real gross to me. Uh, this is called the Burger Joint Cheeseburger Domino's Pizza, uh, loaded with 100% all beef burger pieces, American cheese slices, mozz, and butter pickles topped with special burger sauce. This this sounds flat out nasty, Tony. Now. I have volunteered in the past to try some of the Domino's um, pizzas. What I will say is nothing is as good as you think it's going to be at Domino's, but conversely, nothing is as bad nothing as what you think bad. it's going to be yeah, at Domino's. Yeah, probably true. These things, are, these things are pretty well market tested. Boy, this one doesn't look good, though, does it, Tony? I don't like, like American cheese is one problem I have that um, – I don't care for American cheese. Um, now, I've had pizza with burger pieces on it. I had one from Izzy's Pizza Bus here in Vegas. Um, but it didn't have American cheese. It had just regular brick cheese on it. And um, it did have a little cut-up pickle on there. I didn't mind it. It had some burger sauce on there. I didn't mind it. It had the big <laughs> burger chunks on there. thought that was nice. But... Um, this the, with the American cheese, I'm not sure. Maybe it's no different. It would be no different than brick cheese. <laughs> now, the, the one thing I will say, you're not getting real burger pieces on this in real life. What you're going to be getting is this standard beef that goes on any other Domino's pizza. It's just going to have the pickles and the special sauce. Let's be clear, they're not adding another you protein take this to the cut up. Burger, you don't think this is cut a burger piece? No you way! It's just beef chunks. This is just beef chunks. They, that, that's right. clever marketing. That's all that is. All right. I believe you, I think. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't care either. Are, are you going to get it, Tony? Do you think you're going to get it? I, I don't actually see the point in getting this, especially if PMAC can get himself some. If PMAC can get it, that'd be a nice report to have. So Yeah. Look, if Pimac uh, can't you know, get it, says, uh, maybe. Yeah. He says hopefully he'll get a free sample. Uh, I reckon it might be okay as long as the burger sauce is on point, but in reality it'll be a dog's breakfast for sure. It's well said. Um, uh, let's see if there's anything else. Oh, Grammar Purist posted the story I told about the, uh, about the old um, the egg and muffin. I uh, got some commentary from our listener, Corey, on my v- my Golden Knights gear. Um, and also that I looked like an Oompa Loompa with my red light on. I know, I, <laughs> I know it's not a great look, but it keeps the root lit without shining the light directly in our faces. Um, and I think maybe that's just about it, Tony. Do we have anything else? Anything new in the Cora potpourri this week? No, nah, I think we're good this week. Do we have anything in the, I was, the salsa? Was that? This week? Um, no, that was July. We need to lift our no, game. That's people. way back there. Now we're good. Cora, Cora potpourri. I was looking for good stuff, but nothing that interesting. Um, although, actually, I'm not sure if I read this one. Uh, I was born at the wrong time. I wish I was born in Europe or Asia during the Middle Ages in some ancient civilization or 
in the U.S. in the 80s. Uh, what era would you like to live in? I mean, that's living, wanting to live in the Middle Ages is quite yeah. psycho. I mean, there's the Middle Ages are like the worst time in history, right? But, I mean, but then the jump to the eighties. <laughs> yeah, that's so bizarre. I mean, I I did live during the eighties. I I mean, I don't remember a ton of it, but I was around, and that's not really. I mean, the Reagan years. I mean, whatever, right? Like, uh, when was a good time on this earth? Like, you start pushing back it gets worse and worse as far as, like, we're evolving. So as much as this is a shithole right now, maybe you want to go back to Neanderthal times. Why not? There's probably less politics back then. The earth is probably a nicer place. It's probably a lot harder to survive. But the Middle yeah, Ages... I mean, you, the Middle Ages are not good. You're, you, unless you're one of, like, four people... You're fucked entirely. Yep. And even if you are one of them, you have like every disease. I mean, you have gout and you have <laughs> fucking every, and doctors are putting leeches on you and shit. I mean, it's not, yeah. not ideal. And for the most part, you're probably a fucking surf at the end of the day. You're probably yeah, just you're a a surf. I mean, you're the only op, I mean, almost no other option other than being a surf. I mean, there's yep. no, it's so unlikely that. You're some kind of um, landowner or something. It's it's wild to, to think about. Not to mention the plague is probably going to be floating around in the Middle Ages. That's absolutely, maybe not too ideal to get. And um, actually, church? I didn't read this one. I don't think. Oh yeah, right. You got that whole mess too. The church and crusades and uh, everything else. Uh, this is from Nick Torque posted this. I um. I don't think I read this one either. If I did, I forgot. Uh, what would Genghis Khan think of Phil Collins? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think he'd think he was delicious. So I don't know <laughs> what else you could say. Yeah, it's like um, what would uh, Queen Victoria think of Alex Jones? Like, it's just like picking two random things in time. And what would X yeah. think about X? What would what Genghis Khan was... A big guy, a guy who ate people. So, I mean, I'm guessing that maybe Phil Collins might be subjected to some of the similar fate. What would Na Napoleon Bonaparte think about Green Day? Like, what? <laughs> he, he would agree. He didn't want to be an American idiot. Well, that's true. That, that's a bad example. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't know what his thoughts on it, September were, though. <laughs> uh, he hated September 11th. Everybody <laughs> hated Napoleon. Napoleon hated 9/11. Uh, it's amazing. Um, oh, that's right, why. Tony, that's why. Yeah. Just got to come back to Alex Jones. That's why Alex decided that Sandy Hook wasn't a ho hoax in the end because one of his expert wi witnesses thought space lasers brought down the towers on 9/11. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. All right. Uh, all right, Tony. Let's. Uh, why don't we actually talk about beer a little bit? Let's do the locker of the week. Griff's logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week. All right, Tony. My logger of the week is the one I just drank. 
It was delicious. I got it over at the Speedy Mart gas station. We have we have this gas station chain here, Tony. I don't know if I've talked about it. It has a ton of great beer um, called Speedy Mart, and it's just down the street from my house. It's filled a nice gap for me while Corey's is uh, under renovation. Excellent. And uh, they had some nice Portland beer that came in that I have not seen at Corey's yet. This is from Occidental. And it is a Keller beer, and it was phenomenal. And a we know you love that 4. style. 4.9% unfiltered lager. I do. Quite tasty. Um, I'm glad I have a couple left. Um, what, a, what a delicious beer. So, big fan of that. Tony, how about, how about you? How about some lager this week? Anything? Yeah, I did actually have a lager. Not to say I enjoyed it, but I did have one. I had the premium lager. That's always a good sign when they name it. Um, I like when it's premium. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Who doesn't like premium lager? Yeah. Red Bluff. Red Buff. Ah, This is a tongue twister. Yes. Thank you, Griff. Um, I was not a fan of this beer. It was overly sweet. Um, Mm. A slight metallic note to it. Three Mm -hmm. and a half. It was drinkable. It was fine. But would I buy it again? Fuck no. Is it better than a macro? Fuck no. Well, yeah, well, that'll do it. Um, all right, Tony. Well, then let's see if we can get anything better out of you for the beers of the week. Had to play the whole thing. We haven't played the whole thing in a little while. We, we love the whole thing. Tony, what do you got? What's good? I had a couple of big beers, um, but Trilogy of Fear, I had one of the beers out of out of that range that Nick Talk had a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had the um, Bourbon Imperial Stout, big bourbon note. Um, it was okay. 4.25. But my beer of the week is from Hawkers, and it's their Strange Flux, which is a Hazy IPA. Um, it was delicious. Um, oh, yeah. We'll do a mini untapped, a mini untrapped with you. Um, right. Has some really cool can art. Um, a philosopher once observed that everything in the natural world is in a state of constant flux, changing, evolving, ebbing, and flowing. This brew is dedicated to the unpredictable turns in life that surprise us which we've all got a keen sense of respect for these days. Dry hop with more than 20 grams per litre of Mosaic, Amarillo, Nelson Savin and Pink Boots Blend. Sit back and Mm. enjoy the ride, whatever happens. Um, There are 467 check-ins. It is an Mm. 8.2% hazy IPA or double IPA, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Not way too high, but a little too high. It is 4.05. Wasn't as well liked by other people. I really enjoyed it. I I should have known the the Nelson Nelson thing. Yeah, it can be be divisive. Interesting to Mm. see what the pink boots blend actually is because that would be to do with the Female Brewers Alliance, I'm guessing. I would presume so, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is here. Griff, what did you have and what was delicious in your world? Tony, I 
got back to some, a beer or two on Friday. Nice. Oh, what did I have? Um, you know what? I guess my favorite thing I drank this week was I had a bunch of fresh Swami's IPA oh, from Pizza Port. And I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if anything can top that. I, I had some other stuff that I that I enjoyed fine. Um, I actually drank, you know what, Tony? I drank a classic when I got back out after COVID um, that I just want to mention. It was the, uh, the, um, like the original Leipzig Gosa. What is that? The Bonhoff, Bayerischer Bonhoff, Leipzig yeah. goes, um, just like original type Gosa from, from Leipzig to <laughs> fucking delicious dude. <laughs> they have it on draft at Silverstamp and it's just wonderful. I mean, you can, who can beat that? But so that was nice. And then the fresh swamis that I was drinking, I grabbed a six pack at uh, Whole Foods. Isn't that crazy? Whole Foods had like week old swamis. Thank um, you, Jeff. So Bezos. Was gone, I, was just, I was just sipping on that. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. 10% off everything. I'm, I'm a prime member, Tony. Oh, no. Nice. 10% off my whole, my whole foods beer. <laughs> so not too bad. Um, all right, Tony. I think tonight uh, I'm going to be drinking a little fancy beer. So let's see if we get to it by the time we get through the show here. Um, that said, why don't we jump into some hyper beer nerd dork shit news? Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. Um, okay, so Quirk is a hard seltzer from Boulevard. Um, now, you're probably familiar with Boulevard Beer, and this, yep. they don't have th- this new story was interesting. I'm not going to read the whole thing, and I can't get my way to steal stories to work with Brewbound because Brewbound fucking sucks. <laughs> um, the story is that Quirk Hard Seltzer is expected to be 25% of Boulevard's sales this year. That's crazy. That is um, nuts. That's heading that's towards Sam, Sam Adams' territory, really. Now, Boulevard is one of the most unique breweries I've ever really, um, I guess been to, but also experienced. I know Boulevard had, it has had its sort of issues as a company. Um, I think they've done their best to sort of reconcile those problems. Um, they're owned by Duval. Uh, they have a long history in Kansas city. They Kansas city is one of the most unique beer cities. I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this, but in Kansas city, people just drink Boulevard. Um, I'm not saying that Budweiser isn't consumed there and Bush and your classics, but your average fellow will drink Boulevard pills or Boulevard unfiltered wheat. It is not unusual to see just lots of Boulevard unfiltered wheat and Boulevard pills moving through the city uh, at high volume and sitting in people's fridge who are not craft beer drinkers or fans, but they just buy the local beer. That's the good one to them. And that's such an unusual thing here yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, and it's crazy to think unfiltered wheat built that brewery. I mean, uh, they never tank seven, never gets made if they don't sell a comical amount <laughs> of unfiltered wheat, yep. which is a delicious wheat beer, very pleasant wheat beer to drink Four four and a half percent you know, little wheat beer. Um, but the idea that quirk has unseated it, almost like immediately <laughs> is fucking crazy, dude. This seltzer thing is real. It's wild. Um, yeah. 25%. And what that tells you also is that Kansas Cityans will just buy the local seltzer. They're just like, oh, it's a Boulevard seltzer. I know Boulevard. Those are our guys. 
let's get on a boat and get drunk, you know. But it's, could it's this say that good. this has a bigger national impact on their sales than perhaps unfiltered wheat does, that this is not just a local it does. thing? It does, yeah. No, that is popular. Um, Quirk is, you know, that didn't make it to the seltzer bracket, and we'll have Kelly on next week to talk through this year's seltzer bracket. Um, we do have a champion there. Um, Quirk, um, I, I just, I've heard a lot of positive stuff about Quirk, so I, I really haven't tried it. We don't get it here, um, but it sounds very yummy. Um, there, there are a lot. I mean, let's look at the flavors. Uh, and, and get a vibe for the gets get a feel for the flavors, Tony. Maybe we can maybe we can get in on these if I can find them. But I remember them having very interesting. Um, Do they have any quirky flavors? I think they're quirky, Tony. I think they celebrate. It says here at Boulevard they celebrate eccentricity. So you gotta believe these guys are these guys are are um, are tearing it up here. So they got cherry blossom and lime. That sounds nice. All right. Blueberry, lemon, and lavender. Yuck. Uh, we've got, you don't like that one? Just, I, I have an issue with lavender. It tastes like soap. Okay. How about key lime and coconut? That sounds good. Absolutely. I'm down for that. Nick Talk, not about, so much. How about, yeah, you wouldn't like it. How about passion fruit orange? That sounds nice. It does. How about pineapple chili? I, I mean, yeah. I'm interested. But strawberry, um, lemon, and basil. Now that sounds uh, delicious. Strawberry, lemon, and basil sounds good. Raspberry, rocket, pop sounds good. Watermelon, salt, and lime sounds good. But uh, what mango about punch? Good. Blackberry sage sounds awesome. That yep. sounds really good to me. But the one and I'm pear most, yuzu, I love you. Yeah, so that one yeah. sounds good. Pear and yuzu was going to be my number one, and that comes in at four percent, which is on the lower end for a lot of hard seltzers. So it is. I'm, I'd be curious to punch out some of these. This this one sounds good to me, so maybe I'll try to see if I can't hunt this down. It's really it's it, that's just some that's just some fascinating stuff. Now they also have a whole other set of so they have these hard seltzers. Are you talking about fling? Um, and they have this fling craft cocktails, which I've heard also positive things about. These guys make tasty drinks. That's the thing you got to give it to Boulevard. Um, and their beers, every beer they make tastes good. Yep. They have nothing but good tasting beer. Um, one of my all-time favorites from them was Zahn, which was the only wit beer I've ever had in the U.S. that could stand, that could even stand on a platform next to Allagash. Like, Ooh. it could stand near it. It was allowed to be next to it. <laughs> but it was so refreshing. It was so nice. Um, but, yeah, these, these fling drinks sound good too, right? They do. They got a Paloma. They got they got Mai Tai. They got a vodka lemonade. A, um, vodka a soda. Marg, a blood orange vodka soda. Yummy. I mean, yeah, yeah, this stuff sounds good. Their Oktoberfest also just dropped, and their Oktoberfest is very lovely. Bob's forty seven. I had a Tank Seven. They have Tank Seven on draft at the M Tony, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, uh, I mean, whatever. It doesn't stand up to those disgusting beer lines there, but. All right. Um, yeah, so there you go. Boulevard, 25% of their sales is going to be this hard seltzer. I just think that a brewery of their type is so fascinating to me. Um, what does that mean? I don't know. It just means that seltzer is not fucking around. Um, I don't think. Now, is that going to hold? I don't know. You know, in the summer, it's going to be more popular than the winter in Kansas yeah. City um, and in the whole, whole Midwest where they distribute. But, um, it is it is interesting. 
Tony, you got a story about Seltzer that I kept deleting on accident because I was trying to keep you from reading a different story. Um, this is from the gang over at Apple News. Thank you to Mr. Jobs. This is actually Vine Pear. I'm sorry. This is from Vine Pear. Thank you to Nicolette Baker. Um, <laughs> Vine Pear making probably what, like six fifty an hour writing writing this shit. Yep. Being paid by the word. Uh, this is from Urban Artifact Brewing. This is the Trick or Treat Hard Seltzer um, 2022 Edition Cryptids. The story is toothpaste or chocolate, a Halloween mystery flavor seltzer offers tricks and treats. Um, so this, so Urban Artifacts is a brewer in Cincinnati. They are launching a trick or treat hard seltzer pack, which will have like two. Tr- okay, so it'll have two trick flavors and four treats. Uh, they won't share the specific flavors yet. The brewery teases several potentials in its launch announcement, including zany variations on blue raspberry, toothpaste, chocolate, and fresh cut grass. Uh, and they got cryptids on there. So what's a cryptid, Tony? Isn't that just like a monster? So you got like yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. chupacabras. The is Bigfoot a cryptid? I think um, so. Or the Sasquatches. You know. Or like a werewolf uh, would be one. Um, I wish they would tell us more flavors. Uh, you'll be able to get this at Urban Artifact and Kroger and Meyer. I was just sort of uh, pointing it out because it is the essentially. So it's the, like the Bernie Bop beans. Remember those, Tony? The, the, the jelly the jelly beans. Where yep. One of them tastes like vomit. Yes, this um, is exactly the reason. Brian, Brian had to, Brian had to pull over his car because he ate the vomit bean or whatever. That's pretty funny. Yes, this is the reason. The whole reason I actually brought this article up. I just thought how mainstream has Seltzer become when it is becoming the Jelly Belly version of Seltzer. Like, it, it is just a, a consumer product that is marketed the same as any non-alcoholic product. Um be interested to see how offensive the real offensive flavors are, whether they're going to push into the jelly bean territory where you have to pull over your car and drain pour, <laughs> or whether they're just going to have a, a a hint of like using like some hops to get some fresh cut grass flavor into them. Yeah. I, I if I get the vomit seltzer, I'm losing it, dude. Um it's not good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Took a nice sip there, Tony. Delicious. Um, <laughs> Good for you. I'm drinking this beer that's a collab from Pizza Port and Stone. It's, it's quite nice, Tony. Um, speaking of a nice IPA, tomorrow, Tony, actually today for our listeners, ah, the passage of time continues. Um, it, it is today, Thursday, wink, and uh, it is National IPA Day. Um, oh my God, guys, drink an IPA. If you're in a nation, I don't know which nation, I, I guess the U.S. Um, is it not your IPA day, Tony? I, apparently um, not. Okay, well, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you can have an IPA anyway, so okay. that's fine. Good. Um, so these guys over at Uproxx, 
You know I love a fucking list, dude. <laughs> you uh, want to talk about somebody is, that's not getting paid minimum wage and is getting paid two cents per yeah, word. Four. I think Christopher Osborne, right. I think this article. Chris, Chris would, I'm sorry, my man. Yeah, this would have made him $15, I'm guessing. Yeah, this is, and, and that's about what it is. Uh, <laughs> it, it sounds like my show notes. Um, maybe I'll just make this the show notes. That might give him a little more pub. Uh not only is summer a great time to enjoy a refresh, blah, 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 I'm bored already. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's National IPA Day. He selects he a just, few IPAs that he thinks you should yeah, drink. Yeah, and he selects some beginner. These are beginner IPAs for National IPA Day. Tony, let's see if we agree uh, uh, as these as sort of a starter kit of IPAs. This website is quite painful to use, in fact. Yep, lots of ads. Um Lots of, lots of ads. So you have Odell's Good Behavior. This is a crushable IPA, 4% IPA. Now, I haven't um, had... I've you, never had this, so no. I can't speak to this one. All I will but it say... it sounds like a session, yeah. session IPA, yeah. Which is a good light start. Um, I'm not sure whether session IPAs are a good beginner beer, believe it or not. I think they're for somebody that wants that taste, that loves that taste, but doesn't want the high alcohol. I will say Odell's... Are well known for their quality beer, so I, I don't. They do make quality beer. Odell is a is an excellent brewery, so um, I I respect that. Next up is the Faction IPA. I'm actually not familiar with this beer. Um, now I will I, say these are being picked by head brewers <laughs> at different places. So yeah, this, this is, is from the head the head brewer at Lagunitas. Uh, he says this one is approachable, very aromatic, and not too bitter. 6% alcohol, so it's not a double IPA. It's got the Southern Hemisphere hops mixed with Citra. This sounds like a Neo-West Coast-style IPA. Sounds yep. nice. And we go back to the uh, Odell's Next up, we got well. the, the original Odell IPA, which is delicious. Yep. Great beer. Must <laughs> respect this beer with the elephant on it. Very nice. And look at the price. $9.50 for a six-pack. That is a good beginner that's a good start. Yeah. Harder price right there. Hard to argue with that price. Uh, we got some boat. Oh, this is um, this is this is not Moonlight Bombay by. Oh, it is. It's Moonlight by Bombay by Boat. Okay, so this is from Moonlight. That's a great brewery. Moonlight it makes a lot of good um, IPA. So this is an expensive one though. Fourteen fifty for a four pack. Yeah, it's a pricey. It's a pricey beer. I'm sure it tastes good though. Moonlight's really good. Um, we've got this cold, some cold IPA from Drake's and East Brother. See, I don't know about that. I, I really I like don't. IPA. I've enjoyed some of the cold IPAs. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm starting to like the style. But is this a beginner-friendly, this is meant to be a beginner-friendly list, is this a beginner-friendly choice is my only question because I think the hops tend to hit you in a more distinct way in a cold IPA. Then say, I think it depends. I've had some that are closer to the neo West Coast sweetness yep. and 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 clean malt, and I've had some that I agree are sharper bitterness. Now this is interesting. But it's made with some puffed jasmine rice and a lot of light malt. So I'm interested. I wouldn't. I mean, and then you got Centennial Eldorado, Citrica, and Azica. Citrica. <laughs> Citra. Sorry, Citra. Citra and Azaka, Azaka, whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. The um, 
Sometimes that centennial can pop pop you in a bitter way, you know. Yeah, but it could be used as a bittering hop. So I wouldn't tend to like be too worried about mm-hmm. that. I do think this is actually in the sort of more light aromatic style, not the neo West Coast thing. So perhaps it is a good choice. I haven't had it, so good. I'm just going off description and style. Hazy little thing is on here, nine ninety nine for a six pack, great price, low bitterness, yep. probably nice. Here's a favorite of mine, Tony, Spiteful IPA. There you go. Um, From your hometown. Yummy, yummy. Yeah, 1199. Now, this is a nice, super citrusy IPA. Really tasty. Um, that's some good, good classic Midwest Coast IPA right there. Now, the next uh, one I've America's, never heard of. It's a new beer. America's the finest. The wor- America's and maybe the world's finest IPA. Uh, the Two Hearted Ale from Bell's. Ten dollars yep. and ninety nine cents for to drink the best IPA on earth. Sorry, I mean, how can you argue with ha- that? <laughs> I'm I'm having an Alex Jones moment here, having coughing fit. But yeah, this is like they're burying the lead on this. This is um, one that should have been at the top of the list to let it lend it credibility. Um, this is the correct pick. It is. It tastes. If you want to know what IPA tastes like, yep. That's what IPA tastes like. And what I know I drink a lot of these, you know, I'm drinking one right now. The Pizza Port style, Virgin style, modern IPAs. Um, but every IPA sort of does taste a little like Bell's Too Hearted. <laughs> <laughs> it has, Bell's Too Hearted I know is different. It has more color. It has a different type of malt profile has a little more body to it. It's all centennial, but yep. uh, there is a piece of Bell's I, uh, of Two Hearted in every IPA. Anything I'm just going to say, I know that's a crazy thing pine. to say, but it just is, right? Yep. Anything with either of those two things has a little bit of Bell's in it, but it's just like the perfect, like, yeah, grab it, drink it, delicious. Um, it marries it perfectly. It's yep. got all of that nice balancing pine bitterness with all that nice upfront citrus sweetness. What a classic, um, Tony. And you can still get it in cans at Lord help us, the silver stamp, I mean, the finest <laughs> bar. Um, and if you just want one, which I often do, you're sitting there and you're like, you know what? All I want is a 12 ounce can of fucking two hearted ale. Yep. And they are glad to hand it to you. The last one on here, actually, it's not the last one. No, second to last. The second to last one. Penultimate. uh, This is from Trogues. Trogues is a great brewery. It's a name Um, I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, I haven't thought of them in a while either. Um, They make Nugget Nectar, which is awesome. Um, This is a year-round 7.5% IPA with Bravo. Oh, some old-school hops in this bitch. Bravo, Chinook, Mount Hood, Nugget, Cascade, and Citra. Citra being the most Uh, modern of of those, I think. I know, yeah. Chinook has an awesome flavor, though. Um, Yep. There used to be a – there is a – Boulevard used to make a beer for the um, Christmas season that was a fresh Chinook IPA, all Chinook IPA with whole cone Chinook. Yep. That beer was fucking good. That's such a unique taste. It's got like warm spice taste to it. It's wild. Um, um, anyways. And yeah. even the malt bill is, is, is old school. We've got yeah, Crystal. Crystal Munich and Pilsner. Yeah. yeah. Super old school. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, Crystal's, 
crazy. Um, citrus zest, dank pine, and tropical fruit. I, I actually, I would love to drink this beer. Um, I do get a little bit of uh, nostalgia for some of these Midwest style IPAs, right? Like the like like um, you know, like your belt. I mean, I can get too hearted, obviously, but you know, Trogues, Bodum, Bodum is sort of what what I would call. Um, the modern Midwest IPA, um, maybe yep. slightly citrus um, up front, but still has some of that um, big bitterness. Um, I, I miss some of those beers sometimes, but um, then again, I do get fresh swamis at my goddamn grocery. Can't complain too much. Last on here is from Societe. I think that's some. I think that's some San Diego beer right there. This is yep. one of the highest rated IPAs on Beer Advocate. The Pupil is well balanced summery IPA with ripe tropical fruits, bold citrus flavor, and slightly bitter. Uh, resinous, uh, some resinous pine is the slightly bitter part. Um, well suited for sipping on National IPA Day. Very cool. Haven't had that. Would love to. I'm um, sure I can get my hands on it. Tony, that's your. That's from Jonathan Osborne's best ipas so um thank you for giving us some content my friend the um, only thing i'll say is i hope he got a stipend to actually taste the two beers that he recommended i hope so yeah i hope they gave him 20 dollars to go buy some of these beers i mean at least at least that's enjoyable right go sip on 10 of the best those are 10 of the best ipas in the country for sure i can't argue with that no actually um, a decent list once like yeah. some of these lists agree- are list. yeah i mean hard hard to argue with with a lot of those um all right tony uh there was one other big piece of news this week and both of us found it but you managed to avoid reading it at least yes. so we can play this game uh after leaving out last week's game i felt the need to put pen to paper again to stretch my brain a bit and come up with something so blindingly hilarious um, that no one will be left standing at the end of this bit. Uh, it is time to bring back the classic uh, beer engine game, maybe the first game we ever played. Uh, I think this is two brews and a lie. Beer. 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 That was a lie. Yeah! <laughs> All right, Tony, in honor of this edition of Two Brews and a Lie, I am actually going to be opening a beer. Uh, this two brews and a lie is Bourbon County Stout themed. The new Bourbon County Stouts came out, and I have one of last year's that I got my hands on. In a fancy, it, fancy bag. It's a fancy bag. It is the Blanton's uh, Barrel Bourbon County Stout. It comes with a little piece of cork for some reason. <laughs> um, let's crack. Let's crack this open and see what we got here. So, um, was that? Is this the last of your 2021 Burble County stock that you've got? It is not. I actually still have a cola that I haven't opened yet. Um, I'm a little bit anxious. Oh, for that's that the one, weird flavour last year. Yeah. This one. This one smells lovely. Um, now, now I think I've got some 2019 Burble in my stash, so I might have to open some. Open that. So, Tony. We got all Bourbon County stouts here. I have three rounds, as usual, as are the standard rules with two brews. The three rounds are themed all separately. Okay. Two of these, of course, are real-life beers, and you need to find the one that I created out of my own mind. So why don't we get started 
with the first round. The first round is going to be the weird flavors. Okay. Um, so two of these are for are this year's bourbon counties. Yep. And one of them I made up. First one up. Uh, this is BCBS biscotti. Uh, you're familiar. You're Italian, Tony. You're familiar with a biscotti <laughs> cookie. I'm not Italian. No, I'm very Irish. But I just, I just that's just a running bit I have. <laughs> yes, I, I think I've called you Italian about twenty times. But the name um, is Italian and Irish at the same time. Um, so yeah. I could be Italian from back in the day. Yep. So that's why. It, but okay. So whether you're Italian, you do know what a biscotti cookie. Fucking is. oath! I eat a lot of Italian stuff. I, I I'm serious about my my coffee. Um, I love myself some cured meats. Yeah, all right. Yeah, me hate me too. I'm going for Italian dinner on Friday. I'm pretty excited. Um, uh, this is inspired. Uh, let's here's the blurb on it. In, inspired by the Italian, uh, sorry, inspired by the Italian desserts. This variant was dreamed up when nabbing a, uh, sorry, when grabbing a box of chocolate dipped biscotti from the cabinet. The brewers brought the flavor to life using anise, marzipan, cocoa, and buttered toffee. So this is biscotti. It has anise, marzipan, cocoa, and buttered toffee. No orange in there. I would have gone with orange because that's a classic. Yeah, I biscotti. like citrus on biscotti. Me too. Um, next up, this is called BCBS in-flight stout. Uh, bringing the warm spices of our hand-selected old Forester barrels to the forefront, our brewers used a collection of spices, including cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, cardamom, clove, anise, and white pepper to bring this in-flight cookie-inspired treat to life. White pepper? So that sounds like sort of a, maybe a, um, what are those called? Speculus cookie butter, uh, speculus cookie um, kind of inspired. Yep. The, uh, like the interesting like thing is the, cookie, maybe. the the white pepper. Mm. Very interesting. That's that's sort of, yeah. Mm. And here, your final one of this round. This is the Sir Isaac's Stout. Highlighting the dried fruit profiles extracted from the bourbon in the barrels, our brewers used black mission figs, 10,000 pounds of them, to create this variant reminiscent of the classic fig cookie sold on shelves today. So this it, sounds to be inspired by the Fig Newton cookie, Tony. If that doesn't exist, it should fucking exist. I'm going to say that one's real. I think the first one's real. The white pepper, I'm probably completely wrong and it's it's genuine, but that's that sort of tips me off. I, th- I think all three would be delicious, but the one that's not ringing as true for me is the middle one. Now, the only other alarm bell I've got running in my head is like Fig Newton trademarked or something. I don't know. I'm not going to get into trademark. To be fair, it is called Sir Isaac's Stout. So there is, uh, I believe that is a reference to Fig Newtons, but they don't mention Fig Newtons. Okay, so I'm going to go with the middle one. I don't think that is real. You're saying the the one I made up is the in-flight stout? Yes. Well, Tony, that's correct. Yes. I made that one up. Uh, Tony, that is a collection of the real spices, though, that are used in creating speculous flavoring, including the white pepper, in fact. Um. And that's it. I thought that was a clever one, though. I'm yeah. patting myself on the back. The in-flight stout 
Actually, I wish they would make that one. I think I would prefer that one <laughs> to the biscotti one. Because um, I like, but I do enjoy spiced beers. I'm not sure how I feel about the biscotti one. I, I do like, I like marzipan. Um, yeah. Marzipan plus anise is going to be quite, is going to be pretty harsh. I think. Um, oh, I think it'll. I think it'll think? age out. There's a lot going on in in Bourbon County that I don't think it would be an issue. I think it's it's like the. I'm not sure whether it was um, VSOD or some other beer that you had, or Bourbon County that had like apple brandy in it that you thought was delicious at the end of the day. How about that yeah, Bourbon the, County? The apple brandy was really good. I did quite enjoy ha, enjoy ha, that one. Was that your first taste? How yeah, this it? is lovely, Tony. It's is really nice. Yeah, shout out for the Blantons. This is a uh, you can't you can't complain about that. That's just a that's just a nice taste of <laughs> stout. Um, you know, I don't know if the Blantons part does that much. I just think they I think they aged it a little longer. And I think yep. that punch. I, I think that's what helps this punch above its weight. I, I think Blantons tends to be an overrated uh, bourbon, but. But this this tastes really nice. It, I mean, whatever they they put a lot of. I mean, my favorite one is the original most of the years, and yeah. it's just they stuff it in bean barrels. So, you know, you age it longer, and it mellows out, and it's got that nice richness to it. It's it's this beer is really rich and chocolatey. It's really enjoyable. Here's my hot take on b- bourbon aged beers: rougher bourbons produce more flavorful beers. Not necessarily better beers, but you get into stuff that's more subtle, like Blanton's. When they did the um, when they did the uh, the markings last year that would, or two years ago that said like which barrel original was aged in, um, uh, everyone's favorite was Wild Turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And I, and I don't. I, I agree. It was my favorite for sure. I, I love the Wild Turkey. All right, next up, Tony. These are your, like, barrel. This is your barrel round. This is all big barrel beers. So, like wild turkey, but, like, more Blanton's barrels kind of thing. This is more fancy barrels, yeah. So, yep. first one up is the uh, Bourbon County uh, five-year barley wine. In 2017, we released our first beer aged in second-use bourbon barrels, rather than the more traditional third-use. This resulted in sharper bourbon heat, but beautifully subtle notes of oak, charcoal, tobacco, and vanilla. For this five-year reserve, we transferred that beer to some more mature third-use barrels from the Booker's Private Reserve Selection for an extended mellowing. The barley wine has emerged uh, four years later with new notes of toffee, vanilla, and a smoother, rounder finish. That sounds like a lot of work, but it does sound delicious. Is Are the brewers going to go to that much work? 2BD, but it sounds fucking delicious. Uh, years ago, they did Rare. I will say that. They did Pappy Rare, and that took many years. Yep. Okay. Um, so there's there's precedent for them taking a while. Well, you could, you, maybe they took less time. Um, well, let's go to this one first. Uh, this is the 30th anniversary reserve stout. Going back to the inception of BCBS, the 30th anniversary stout, is aged from a blend of Jim Beam barrels from their small batch bourbon collection barrels. Now, okay. one thing to point out here that I, I didn't um, add to this is that the, the, the first release of Bourbon County Stout is greatly debated. <laughs> um, ah. so, they are calling, so there is a 30th anniversary reserve stout uh, 
Um, now there is claimant on on two sides, but all, and uh, also both on Goose Island's side that claim that 1992 was the original release year and that 1995 was the original release. <laughs> so, uh, no one has been proven true or false. Uh, Josh Noel tends to stand on the year 1995, um, uh, but there are people in Goose that say 1995, <laughs> and Greg Hall, I believe, says 1995, but um, I, I think one of the other, maybe John says it was 1992, so I don't know what's going on there, but... 30th anniversary reserve stout. It exists. Or does it? Um, next up, BCBS two-year barley wine reserve. We worked with our friends at Old Fitzgerald to obtain exceptional sets of barrels from varying ages from the distillery's bottled and bond decanter series. The reserve offers uh, us a rare opportunity to highlight the uh, distinct characteristics of our rich barley wine aged in 14-year, 16-year, and 17-year barrels of an amazing bourbon pedigree. So there you go. you got a two-year barley wine reserve in Old Fitzgerald barrels. You've got the 30th anniversary reserve stout uh, in the special small batch uh, Jim Beam barrels, and then you've got the five-year barley wine in the four years in the Booker's private reserve selection. Okay, I'm going to knock out the last one, the Fitzgerald one, because that that just seems bog standard. Um, that's 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 what Bourbon County do, like you're talking you're about. Kicking, you're saying that one they're doing. They're yeah. they're making that. Yep, one. they're kicking that one out the door. Quick spot. There's there's no question marks around that. It comes down. I to, sold a bottle of Old Fitzgerald once for two thousand bucks, Tony. Jesus. Now. Yeah. It comes down to the next, the first two. Now, you went into an intricate story on the second one. Normally, alarm bells are going off around <laughs> the 30th anniversary. But would it be beyond an Anheuser-Busch company to push something out for marketing purposes when things are in debate? That's straight out of their fucking playbook. I'm going to go with the first one. Is too much fucking work. So let's make it simple. I think the first one is Fakey McFakerson. Five-year barley wine is fake, yep. you're saying. Tony, you're on a roll. Yes. I was too verbose with the five-year barley wine. Uh, I, 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 I had the itch to write something, <laughs> I guess. So there you go. All right, Tony. The third round, I'm throwing a twist at you, buddy. Uh-oh. Uh, the third round is called Two Lies and a Brew. Oh, uh, right. So, Tony, you have to pick the real beer out of these three beers. There's only one real beer. I'm sorry, but is this allowed? Beer. You're changing the rules of the game on me. Come on. You'll know why in a second. There was no other way to do it this way. <laughs> okay. Um, so these are three different Prop 22s. Okay. Only one of them can be the real Prop 22, obviously. There are not two real Prop 22s. <laughs> okay. There's only Fair one. Enough. So only one of these is real. Uh, two of them I made up. Let's see which one you like. First up, BCBS Proprietors 2022. 
This year's prop takes inspiration from a Mai Tai, a rum cocktail first made in the 1940s in California. The beer uses orange, lime, cherry, and almonds. Okay. I, I like that. But for, for that, do they normally go that gimmicky? Uh, question mark. Continue. All right. Well, this is going to throw you, I think. Next up. This year, Prop takes inspiration from the Jungle Bird, a rum cocktail first made in the 1970s in Malaysia. (laughs) This beer uses banana, coconut, and lime and is the first BCBS to use pineapple. Now, uh, banana, straight up banana in a proprietor's blend. Mm, Never heard of the cocktail. Have to try that at a tiki bar sometime. Jungle Bird. I have had a Mai Tai and a Jungle Bird. In I've fact. had a Mai Tai on the recommendation of uh, old school listener. A Mai, a Mai Tai is an excellent drink, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. It uh, will fuck you up, but it, is, it isn't too sweet. Mai Tais and a real daiquiri. Yeah, I love a real daiquiri. They're, they're both very nice. Yeah, and a non-frozen daiquiri. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah. Just poured over ice. Well, no, yeah. shaken in ice and... Hemingway had it right. Um, Last one, Tony. This year, Prop takes inspiration from the Halakulani. This is the Halakulani, one of the few (laughs) bourbon-based tiki cocktails first made in Hawaii in the 1930s. This beer uses lemon, orange. uh, What? What did I write here? (laughs) Lemon... Orange, oh, sorry, lemon, orange, cherry. I Sorry, I scribbled all these down on paper, so I had to, like, squint to read any of them. Lemon, orange, cherry, and is the first BCBS to use pineapple. It is aged in barrels that held Elijah Craig Barrel Proof Batch 12. Man. So you have uh, a Halakulani beer, you have a Mai Tai beer, and a Jungle Bird beer. I can't knock anything out initially, you son of a bitch. This is really, really tricky. And anybody that hasn't seen the list, jump on Discord and tell me what your thoughts are, um, yeah. what your original thoughts were, because I'm sure. fucking stumped. Get on, get on that. We'll give you here. We'll give you ten seconds. We'll riff for ten seconds while you post what beer you think is fake in the prop area. Yeah, uh, and it, it, or just pause it. That'd be what I would do. Yeah. But, Nah, screw. Yeah, you can pause it, whatever. But Tony, what's your favorite tiki drink? What? Give me, give me your favorite tiki style drink. You guys got tiki bars down there, I bet. Not really, um, but I would say, yeah. like, if is a mai tai considered a tiki style drink? So yeah, 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 it did it for sure. Yeah, I, I love a mai tai for the exact same reason that you mentioned. I had now, a painkiller at Red Dwarf a few weeks ago, and it fucking. Got me cloudy in the head there right quick. That thing was strong, bitch. Holy well, shit. Good, good tiki should get you that way. That, that's the whole point of a tiki is they hide that alcohol. Like you that's true. Leave. That's a good point. Yeah, they put that barrel-proof rum in there too. Yep. Shit, get I, you. I can't remember the name of the last um, cocktail, but I'm going it's to eliminate. Holi- Holi- Holikulani, Tony. The Holikulani is eliminated just because it sounds too plausible. It does sound good, doesn't it? Yeah, because it has every component that you kind of get from a barrel. So I think that's a lie. 
Okay. So I, I think that's one you put in as a red herring. Now, my um, the jungle bird and the Mai Tai are a much closer run thing in my book. So, But I'm going to go that the next eliminated beer is the jungle bird because okay. of that banana thing. I, yeah, the people are starting to put it in now, but that and a couple of other ingredients just didn't sit with me as as a beer. Keep banging my microphone, but as a beer, just just not ringing true for me. The I think a mai tai is an odd choice. It's I would have called it the wackiest choice, but it's not. I'm going to label mai tai is the 2022 proprietors blend for Goose All Island, right. Burble County. Tony, you only got two out of three. The God real one it. is the Jungle Bird. There you the go. Jungle Bird stout is going to happen. Banana, coconut, lime, and pineapple. I actually tend to agree. I like the second two better. <laughs> uh, I would have preferred orange, lime, cherry, and almond. Yep. Now, um, now Mai Tai uses Orgiat, which is almond syrup, I believe. Um, and, uh, I, I, I think I certainly would have preferred the Halakulani lemon, orange, cherry, and barrel proof Elijah Craig. That would have been interesting. I'm, I'm hesitant, Tony. I, I know that the Mai Tai would have had lime, but I think the almond would even it out. The lime plus the pineapple plus the banana is giving me some, some pithy vibes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't There's know. Something, something about that I, I'm not positive with, but you know, they could. You know what the the thing is? You put enough. Of, you put it all in a big barrel, and all that stuff could come together pretty nice. So, um, yep. Do not think Kelly will like it though. She does not like banana. She is not a banana. Now she's she likes eating a banana, but she doesn't care for banana flavored. Um, like a banana flavored uh, thing. You like know who would plant. not like it? I can think of two uh, I believe on- Nick, Nick Tork is, uh, is hating this right now with the coconut. And, and uh, P-Mac. My poor man, P-Mac. <laughs> who a banana, a banana may as well be a rotting corpse uh, <laughs> sitting next to him uh, that he's being asked to take a bite out of. Um He's just going to pass on that. That's all right. I get you. Tony, the Blanton's Barrel Stout is absolutely lovely. I'm glad I got my hands on this. Thanks to you to, Thank you to listener and friend Tom for fetching this for me and holding on to it through two or three trips I took <laughs> to Chicago and forgot to pick it up. And now I have it and I'm drinking it. So that's cool. Tony, why don't we wrap up the show? Why don't you tell people how they can uh, look at our crap? Well, they can uh, send us an email, show at gmail.com. Unlike Alex Jones, we actually have a public email. You I do. can support us in the same way that people support Alex Jones. You can send us a tip on ko-fi.com forward slash podcast. Nick Talk doesn't need to. He's a generous benefactor to the show. I just thought I would pass that out. But if you want to see pictures of our beer, you can follow us at... Beer Engine Pod on Instagram. You can also check us out on Untapped. That man sitting across from me 
on the virtual table is Griff, and he is Griff AD on Untapped. I'm St. Moz on Untapped, and I will be checking in a big stout. It won't be one of our bourbon, my two remaining bourbon counties this week, but I will be checking in something big, whether it's the Hawkers or another one of the Trilogy Affairs. So look forward to that coming to an untapped near you. Oh, silence. Don't know whether Griff's still with me. He may have frozen. So um, unless we've got anything important to say, I will edit that in. We will say bye-bye for now. Um, And, uh, yeah, Griff, anything pithy? Pithy to say? Didn't think so. Catch you folks later.